0: This is the PGA of Canada Professional Development Podcast Series. Industry leaders, PGA professionals discussing technology, fitness, planning your business, building your career. These talks, these ideas, developed for you to live a better life and earn a better living.
1: Welcome to the PGA of Canada podcast. My name is Kate Weir, and I'm an assistant professional at Burnaby Mountain Golf Course. We're joined today by Shawnee Harley. She's a two-time Olympian as the former assistant coach for the Canadian women's basketball team and former coach at the University of Calgary for 18 years. She holds a master's degree in coaching studies and has over 25 years of elite coaching experience. Since winning matters not only in sport but also in business, Shawnee has become a sought after corporate coach, life coach, mental toughness coach, and motivational speaker. Today we're privileged to provide this unique opportunity to speak with Shawnee about a subject she has coached extensively on, the communication bridge, and how to better utilize our communication skills to create a better work or coaching environment. Shawnee, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Awesome, let's do this. So you wrote a piece for the PGA of Canada um, entitled Co- Communication is a Bridge. And so I just want to by testing on the uh, first four things that you talk about in this uh, piece, and that's the four different types of communication. So if you can go ahead and kind of define those for us and, and let us know exactly what those four different types of communication are. You know what just struck me when you mentioned that, is I
0: thought to myself, I wish I would have known that communication styles even had names. I I even wish that I knew that there were categories when I was in the midst of my coaching. Um, I learned about all of this much later, and learning that there were categories and styles was really helpful for me. Uh, The first one that I start with in my article is assertive. And I start with it because it is the healthiest. And it comes from a place of win-win. And what's so interesting about assertive when I was reading through it and working on it, I'm like, wow, I never did that. I I didn't even know that that's what I was supposed to do. And yet it's the healthiest of all and it's the one that's least used. The second one was uh, passive. And passive comes from a place of lose-win. And, you know, passive is very much around the desire to avoid conflict and disapproval. And when I look back when I was coaching, I feel like I was far more in that style than I was in the assertive. Hmm. And the next one was um, aggressive. And aggressive comes from a win-lose. And, you know, when I was reading through aggressive, I was like, I think I start being aggressive when passive isn't working. It's like, right. I have done have enough of this passive. Now it's time for me to win. And then the last one is the passive aggressive. And as I you know, work with my, uh, in the corporate work that I do, I find that uh, passive aggressive seems to be one of the most common communication styles. And the unfortunate part about that, it is the most destructive. Right. And it, it destroys trust and it destroys any type of team culture. So those are the four that I wrote about in the article.
1: Yeah, I think I've found the way that these were um, separated really helpful because, same as you, I've never really thought of them in these ways before. I definitely know of the passive-aggressive form of communication. as, Like you said, that's the most common one, but it's really helpful to put these kind of into categories so people can hopefully figure out what kind of um, communication style they work with, which is kind of my next question. Is it hard for people to Mm. figure out or admit to their communication style?
0: Well, what I believe about that is it's hard to admit or change anything if you don't know that you're doing it. So a huge piece of I think leadership in general, you know, the big the bu- big buzzword these days is emotional intelligence. And <clears throat> another word I use a lot in my coaching, and I really try to use it with myself, is self-awareness. So if you're in level one of self-awareness, which is unconscious incompetence, which is another way of saying I don't know what I don't know, if I don't know that I'm doing something, I have no chance of being able to have even opinion on it or change it. And I think um, my experience has been in working with coaches and leaders in business that when I go through it, maybe it was a bit of the light bulb the way that you had it, when we actually give names to these and they have styles and they have how, you know, how it shows up, what are the costs of being an aggressive communicator. There has been nobody that I've presented this to that it hasn't changed their behavior, and they all have said the same thing that i said when I found out. I'm like, wow, why didn't somebody tell me this 10 years ago? I didn't even know about this. I'm just Mm -hmm. doing what I think is right. And almost every leader I've ever worked with is always coming from a place of good intention And we just tend to communicate, and I was even thinking for myself, I'm like, well, where did I learn? Like, I'm kind of passive, so where did I get that from? Like, nobody taught me that. There's not a course on it. And so whatever, we get socialized, we pick up on certain ways, we watch what our parents did. Uh, But, you know, to go back to your original question, once people figure out that what they're doing is unhealthy, and they can actually see it, they can see it costing them in their relationships. They can see it costing them in their team culture. I've had um, all leaders have embraced it and have really worked to um, to commit to being more assertive.
1: I think that's what you said is very important. That that we don't know what we don't know. That's something I I always try and keep in mind in terms of for me in the golf industry and coaching is I think you need to. Uh, continuously try and learn more about yourself or learn more about your your industry or what you're trying to do so that I think that's a really good point that we should um, keep in mind kind of going forward when we're looking at communication styles so that's a really good point there Um, is it really common do you find for? I mean you said in coaching you definitely had a couple different coaching styles that you went back and forth between but is it common for people to have multiple coaching or communication styles um, and is that situational? You
0: no, know, I'll, I'll give you my opinion on that. And I always tell people, remember, I only have an opinion. It doesn't mean that it's the one right, that there's only, I, I think there's nine ways to skin a cat. So, you know, I, I certainly can speak from my experiences, but um, I certainly don't want to give the impression that I'm Dr. Phil or I'm Oprah, um, <laughs> so my, my experience has been is that we have, so I would call it your default self, mm-hmm. so when you're not trying to do anything in particular, you're just showing up as your default self, that would be, so for me, when I'm not paying attention and when I was, un, when I was in unconscious incompetence, My default self would show up quite passively, and it was coming from a place of I wanted to be nice. Yeah. So that was, when I wasn't trying, that was just what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I think when I switched into a different style, again, I don't think it was an intentional switch, because if you're in unconscious incompetence nothing is intentional it's all habitual right and I think then just what happens in in coaching and sport in general is that we're always looking for something better if something's not working well let me try something else and so when I would switch to aggressive it was not intentional it was usually just because I was so ticked off right or I was so frustrated or I was so sick and tired of seeing the same things happening with no change, then I would become aggressive. So my experience has been that when I share that, you know, with coaches and other leaders, they tell me the same thing. They're like, oh yeah, I show up like this, but when it doesn't work, then I become like that. But then I ask them, and is that intentional? And they're like, no, that's just how I roll. So when we get to have these conversations about this, The best part is that you move out of unconscious incompetence and you now move into consciousness which is I can be consciously competent now which means I know what I'm supposed to do and I'm going to choose assertive communication or you still can be consciously incompetent which means I know I'm I'm supposed to be assertive but I'm going to still use my hammer and I'm going to pound somebody on the head with it and be aggressive. So that's the best, well I guess it's the best and the worst part of knowledge because when you don't know what you don't know, you you have great excuses for not changing behavior. (laughs) So now we move into, I do know what I don't know, so uh, the decision comes,
1: will you choose to be assertive or will you choose to stay with your old habits? Right, and like you said, it's a self-awareness thing where you know, either people are or they aren't self-aware or they can become self-aware. Is that something that you see with a lot of um, CEOs or or high-level coaches that there's just a bit of a lack of self-awareness and they just need to be brought to awareness? Or do you find that they do have the awareness, but they decide not to change it? That's a – I paused for a moment just because I was
0: thinking about – you know, one of my recent experiences been with that. And I would say it's far more unconscious incompetence where they don't know that they're not self-aware. Again, I, I just feel like most people that I work with, you're coming from a place of good intention, which means you're working your butt off to be great and have a great team, be a great coach, be a great leader, have great team chemistry and you're overworked and underpaid, under-resourced, and you're doing the best that you can. And I, I would say that it's kind of like, you know when you're, you're clamoring around in the dark and you can almost see something but you can't quite see it and then somebody gives you a flashlight and you're like, whoa, whoa, where's that yeah. flashlight been all my life? That's a great analogy. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I feel like self-awareness is that flashlight, but you kind of think you already have it, but you might have the flashlight, but the batteries are, are really low. And then you put right. new batteries in, and you see things in a way that you've never seen them before. So mm-hmm. that's what more of my experience is. People think that they're, they do think that they have self-awareness until they
1: get a new flashlight, and then the
0: light really comes on.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I wanted to touch on aggressive communication just for, in particular, I'm fascinated by the um, kind of listening versus hearing. People maybe hearing what you're saying, but not really taking it in, not listening to it. Um, You touch in your piece about, you know, in aggressive communication, people definitely are interrupting or speaking over you or thinking about what they're going to say before you've even finished your sentence. i was wondering if you could touch a little bit on that aggressive communication style um, versus, you know, the more passive style. Well, if I, I think where I would begin with that is aggressive
0: communication uh, comes from a place of win-lose. So if you just think about What does that mean? If if I'm the aggressive communicator and I'm coming from a position of I'm obviously smarter than you, I like to be right, Um, I'm the boss for a reason, if you come from a place that has anything going like that that without the intention, the only way that I can win is someone has to lose. Right. And... If you think about how that shows up in a conversation, you think about how it shows up in um, a meeting, you think about how it shows up in a team culture, and that person will always be, um, always show up as a bad listener. They, they interrupt, and when they're listening, you can tell they're not listening. They're scheming and planning what they're rebuttal is going to be, or they're thinking about what they're going to say next. And, you know, when I work work with teams and people tell me that their leader is an aggressive communicator, one of the very first things that they say to me is, and I never feel heard. And I'm like, well, yes, because that's not their intention. Their intention is not to hear you. Their intention is to be right. Their intention is for you to hear them. And I finish in that, uh, the little description about aggressive, I have a sentence in there that says the intention is to manipulate and c- control others' behavior from, from a position of power. And the reason that I mention that is because when I speak to people who say they have a leader that is aggressive and then the first thing they say is, and I don't feel heard, they will also tell me that when they don't feel heard they soon learn to stop talking because right. it, feel, it everything always feels like a shutdown and so they stop contributing. Or they stop contributing truth. Right. They just kinda smile and nod their head and, you know, have a fake have a fake relationship.
1: Do you mean I don't I'm just assuming, do you maybe find that, that type of aggressive communicator is the hardest for you to work with, or, or is it all kind of similar across the board? Super interesting
0: question. I had, a, I had a group that I was working with, a corporate group the other day, and I asked them that, that question because we had all types at the table, and the consensus was um, all three are really, really hard. So passive is really difficult to work with. Aggressive is difficult. Passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive was the hardest because it is indirect, so you can feel it, but you can't really see it. Uh, one of the things that they said about you know at your, your question about aggressive, what they said about aggressive is they said, at least I know exactly what I'm gonna get. From the right. aggressive, like say, I know, like yeah, like cards are on the table. They're a bad listener. They're going to dominate. They're going to intimidate. They're going to control. They're not going to be a good listener. But they're like, at least I know that is right. right there in front of me. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. It, it's usually very easy to pick up on it, and so it's easy to see. And if I said, is it easy to deal with? I don't think any of these are easy. But the typical response becomes if you're a passive communicator working with aggressive, you will shut down immediately. Mm -hmm. If you're an aggressive communicator working with somebody else who is aggressive, there will be a lot of conflict Mm -hmm. because you're both trying to win, but not a lot
1: will get solved. Right. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I could see where passive-aggressive communicators could be, you know, they're sneaky behind your back kind of thing. Well, it's the one that
0: um, it's the one that destroys. You know, in uh, business we call it culture. Uh, with sport, I call it team chemistry, mm-hmm. because there's this subtle sabotage that's going on behind the scenes. And you know, one of the things they talk about in sport is that the real talk about how a team's doing actually happens in the locker room. You know, it's sort of, it's behind closed doors when the coach isn't there, and athletes are talking with each other, and the indirectness of it makes it really hard to put a finger on, and it's, um, uh, I, I call it, there's a big contamination going on, and you can kind of feel it, but you're not sure. And so often when we're not sure, we ignore it. So the passive aggressive is the one that, uh, it, it's, it's terrible. It is. Right. Um, yeah, and the other reason I really don't like passive aggressive is that it, it, you're, you're, um, you're being a little chicken like, right. you're hiding behind emails. You're hiding in the locker room and talking behind people's backs. Like, instead of being direct and going to, to the person and having a face-to-face uh, conversation.
1: Gotcha. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the differences in maybe how females and males communicate um, in general to each other, to the opposite sex and kind of how the power dynamic plays into that.
0: You know, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking the other day about this because I had the same question. And it was a group of people that I was meeting with, we were working on communication style, and they're like, well, can you say that the females are mostly like this, And males are mostly like that. And I think earlier, when I was younger, and I hadn't had a whole lot of experiences, I think I would have categorized women as more passive and uh, men as more aggressive. Uh But I will tell you that has not been my experience. I I see both. I see a lot of I see far more this is the best way to say it I see far more passive communication in male leaders than I would have expected. That's interesting. and I see far more aggressive communication in female leaders than I would have expected. So I don't really think I have a a great answer for you on that, what I, what I do feel like is the best chance that leaders have of showing up assertively is less based on gender mm-hmm. and more based on a culture of psychological safety. So I feel what I'm saying with that is I feel like the culture of your team or your organization will have a big say on communication style. And if you, if you tend to be passive, you will stay passive when you don't feel safe. Uh-huh. If you tend to be aggressive, you will stay aggressive if you don't feel safe because you're still trying to get your way. If you're passive-aggressive, and you don't feel safe, you will definitely continue with passive aggressive. So that's what I'm I'm teaching lately is I don't doesn't matter if you're doesn't matter about your gender, it doesn't matter about your background, it doesn't matter if you have brown hair or black hair, whether you're tall or you're short, you know, when it relates to communication. What matters is if you have a culture of psychological safety, every person on that team can learn to be an assertive communicator. I
1: think that's a really important message because like you said it, it should matter on gender or background it should it should matter on that you have the choice to communicate a different way if you want to so I think that's a really cool concept um well so, no, if I, I just can put if, I just want to highlight something that you said
0: I believe that communication is a skill so to me You know, in my sport of basketball, jump shooting is a skill. You know, in your sport, putting is a skill. And what I know about skills is the more you practice, the better you get. You weren't born with it. It is not a personality characteristic. So if it's a skill, it can be learned. And that's what I love most. So that means I can unlearn an unhealthy habit for me, which is passive. I can unlearn that. (laughs) <laughs> Unlearn that. I don't even know if that's the right phrase. That doesn't matter. <laughs> but I do know that I can learn the skill of being assertive, and right. then if I have an environment that is psychological psychologically safe, I get to use that new skill that
1: I've been practicing. And the more I practice it, the better I get. Okay. So once people have come to understand that their communication skill is unhealthy what is the first step for you with with approaching them um, moving forward toward a different way of communicating what kind of tools you talk about toolkit so what kind of tools can they add to their toolkit the most important tool is self-awareness
0: hands down if you don't have self-awareness here's my exaggerated statement if you don't have self-awareness it doesn't matter what other tools you have in the toolkit because you'll never take them out because you don't even have the awareness that they're in there. Right. Um, Self-awareness is hands down the most important because self-awareness helps me to pay attention to what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, what my nonverbal body language is doing, and as soon as I have self-awareness, I can catch myself Am I going into my old habits? Right. We always come to this, this fork in the road in self-awareness. When I catch myself getting ready to engage in my old behavior, or now I get to make a choice because I have self-awareness, I can be consciously competent, and I can take this fork in the road, which means I can be assertive. And Without self-awareness, you come—you don't even know you're standing at the fork in the road. You don't even right. know there is a fork in the road. <laughs> you just keep doing what you always do, and you know when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So you don't know how to stop hammering. So hands down, uh, self-awareness is the most important. The second piece that I then look at with self-awareness is I ask. You know, leaders to look into intention. And when I talk to passive communicators, and I and I work and with them on this lose-win, they really get it. They're like, I'm. They're like, Well, I'm just trying to be nice. And I'm like, Well, go a little deeper. You're trying to be nice because, well, I'm trying to be a team player. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> we got to go deeper again. Mm-hmm. What I help them get to is they're trying to be nice because really they're trying to avoid conflict yeah. and disapproval. Yeah. So once they can figure out that passive communication is actually a fear-based behavior, they can be like, oh, wow, I have self worms around that. I don't want to do that anymore. Now I can choose assertive. And again, we go down the path, the same thing with aggressive they start figuring out the intention is win and lose, and why do they keep doing that? Why do I like to intimidate people? Why am I interrupting? Why do I have my, have to, my voice be so loud and demanding? And we can dig into intention, and, we can, and that leader says, well, I don't wanna be like that. How will I ever be a leader worth following if I pound everyone on the head with a hammer? I'm like, yeah. Do people follow you because they want to, or because they have to right and then we do the same thing with passive aggressive when people can get clarity on what the intention like where, what am i really trying to get here and by the way passive aggressive is also fear based is also a fear based behavior mm-hmm. we they can then say well these are not great leadership characteristics how am i going to build a great team how are people going to follow me to the top of the mountain you know, when it's pouring rain and it's freezing cold and our tent has holes in it, and we don't have any water or food, how are people gonna follow me up there? I have to be a great communication great communicator so that people will follow me and we will get through the storm together. And the only way that happens is assertive. And what I want to add to assertive and I wrote it in this piece, is that it is confident communication and it comes from a position of strength. Strength is different than power. Okay. And people good. feel that. And that's why assertive works. It comes from the right intention.
1: I think that's very powerful. I think that's probably a really important key um, is that intention piece because, you know, speaking from my own um, experiences, especially as a young professional in my industry. Passive is definitely what I default to because, you know, I don't have a lot of experience and I'm speaking to people who have much more experience than I do, so passive is that is that default position. So, it's good to know that intention is something to dig deep down and find out what is my intention, why am I communicating this way. Well, that's great
0: self-awareness right there, by the way. and. You know what I what I asked people and regardless of the their style, passive aggressive or passive aggressive that sounded funny, passive yeah, aggressive. It sounded like that was a run on sentence about I went I was meaning the three unhealthy styles. Yes. Yeah. When I when I asked them about intention and then we talked about that and then I asked them These questions and then it really helps them get clarity on where they're coming from and the questions I ask is um, What are you afraid of? or What are you avoiding or what are you running away from Hmm. and when you can go into there? You know okay. Well, I'm afraid of disapproval or sometimes aggressive communicators. What they'll tell me is they will be like well I'm afraid that people aren't gonna think I'm very smart. Mm. So that's why I'm always pushing my opinion through. So there's a reason, like intention is about, it's a reason, I'm doing this, there's a reason why I'm doing this. And that reason can be healthy or unhealthy, but we tend to never dig down deep enough and really figure out the why. You cannot fix the what until you have clarity on the why.
1: Awesome. So now that we've, you know, covered kind of the unhealthy communication styles, can you talk a little bit about um, the way great coaches and leaders communicate so effectively and why it can produce such a successful environment and how they go about doing that?
0: I'll come back to a phrase that I used earlier, which is psychological safety. And my simple definition of that is just, it means that I can show up every day at work or I can show up every day as a member of this team and I can be who I am without fear of being judged, teased, ostracized, demoted, cut, fired, or gossiped about. So if we start from a place of psychological safety, It really makes assertive um, uh, simple. And then I I say simple because it's simple but not easy. What I find that the great leaders are doing with assertive communication, so assertive communication comes from a place of um, being able to make a request for what you want or what you need. But at the same time, you're not pushing those wants or needs onto someone else. You're not trying to manipulate their behavior. You're not afraid of whether they may or may not disapprove of you. It's coming from, and here's another way of saying it, the best leaders, what I see, they're able to speak their truth in a way that is authentic and invites the other person into the conversation
1: Yeah I think that's pretty important that's I'm, I've played a lot of sports throughout my life and I definitely found that with good coaches and good leaders is I was able to feel comfortable speaking up and um, kind of voicing my opinion And that and when
0: I use the phrase invite, into the conversation, what that means is because remember whenever we're we're the leader, we're the highest on the totem pole and it's up to us to build the psychological safety because unless the people around us, um, if they always look at us as the top of, of the totem pole then it makes sense that they look at themselves somewhere down lower. And whenever they feel lower, they will, um, their communication will always be around giving the leader what they want to hear. Right. And then we're losing truth, and then we're losing authenticity and transparency, etc. So the best leaders understand that they are really in a position of power, and now I am using that word intentionally. Um, It's a very powerful position as a leader at the top of a totem pole and it's why assertive is about strength not power because power does not feel inviting but strength does. And so assertive communication comes from confidence. It comes from a position of strength and you know, in my article, I say that they are, they are strong advocates for themselves while being respectful of the rights of others. So if you think about how that would feel you know, in your whatever the communication culture is on a team, you can feel when it is healthy, where people come to the table, they speak from their heart, they say what they need to say, cards get on the table. And this is super important, there is still a lot of conflict, and that's necessary. All highly functioning teams engage in conflict. Otherwise, we just walk around all day, we hold hands, we light candles, and we sing kumbaya. Like, that's not getting us on the podium. Right. So it's super important that we understand that assertive communication is not always harmonious. And that's good. It shouldn't always be harmonious, but it is safe to come and put our cards on the table, and we can disagree. We can confront each other. We can have
1: conflict, and it feels safe to do so. Yeah, that's. I think that's a really great way to put it. Um, you touched uh, just briefly on the fact that you know this may sound simple, but it's. It's not, it's a tough thing to accomplish, um, which just makes me think back to a book I've read many times, Uh, it's called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And basically the first agreement is be impeccable with your words. The introduction basically says this is the most important agreement but the most difficult to honor. Why do you think as humans we find communication and choosing our words wisely or being impeccable with our words so difficult?
0: I again, I'm only going to give you an opinion. I'm I'm not Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll only tell you, you know, what I what I feel and and what I, you know, from my the experiences I've had, and probably the the best way to answer that is just to speak, you know, with what I do and what I see leaders that I'm working with. I think that when we're not doing that. We're avoiding something, we are hiding from something, or we're afraid of something. And you think about, particularly in any team, in any group, in any environment where you don't feel completely safe, you will always figure out where you need to hide. And whether that's hiding your emotions, whether that's hiding um, maybe you don't have, you don't know the answer. Maybe you're hiding because you think somebody else might be smarter than you. And what if you get found out? Uh, maybe you went over budget, and you're the only one that knows that. I mean, I could use many, many examples. But um, being impeccable with your word, um, authenticity, transparency, clarity, etc. I think that we don't do it. When we don't feel safe, so we're hiding, avoiding, um, running away, covering something up—a so bit of a maybe a fight or flight response. Oh, that's a good way of saying it. Right, and yeah, very normal for us uh, to run.
1: Mhm. Yeah, very good. Well, that was such a great conversation. I'm so happy you're able to join us. I definitely learned a lot, and like you said, self-awareness is kind of the first step and the key to all of this, so I just want to say uh, on behalf of our 300, sorry, 3,700 golf professionals in the PJ of Canada, thank you very, very much for joining us today, Shawnee. Oh, I loved it as much as you did, and that's the thing that I enjoy about this is I'm on the same
0: path. We're, we're all on this We're all on this journey together, and and it it seems unending, and and that's a good thing. We're all all growing and learning. And I'll tell you, my experience is, if you can get this communication skill down, boy, boy, you ever have a great chance of building a winning team.